That Naturopathic Podcast. TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Cara Denisio. And I'm Dr. David Miller, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting it all together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of health care. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you need to know about. Hey everyone, Dr. Dave here. As you probably know, this podcast is all about getting the word out there that naturopathic medicine has got some serious game. Educating and inspiring our listeners to work towards and achieve better health is what it's all about. But just like it takes energy and effort to invest in and strive towards greater health, it takes energy, effort, and financial support to do all the podcast things necessary to keep this message coming at you. So please afford me a moment to share our gratitude and give a real heartfelt thank you to our show sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Their patient focus Focused vision of improving health outcomes with the use of high-quality naturopathic doctor-designed supplements is 100% in alignment with what we're trying to do here at the podcast. Their enthusiasm for supporting what we're trying to do for you, the listener, encourages us to keep producing content that will inform and inspire. Thanks again to our sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Okay, welcome to another episode of That Naturopathic Podcast. We've got the Elder Series continuing here with Dr. Verna Hunt, and we are going to be brave and courageous and talk about homeopathy again, the redheaded stepchild of naturopathic medicine. Um, so thank you again, Dr. Verna, for sitting down with me. We're going to try and do it a little bit shorter today. That's our goal, right? We'll That's do it. That's our goal. Okay. It's a big topic, though, so it's uh, we thought we'd we'd have a bit of like a skeleton of questions here, and then Verna said, "Dave, why don't you talk about your experience uh, a little bit with homeopathy?" I think that learning homeopathy, as opposed to you know the mathematical times table, you have to use your creative, emotional, intuitive brain to have a story about it. For me, that's how I learn. Like. <clears throat> So when they get into like constitutional homeopathy or you're doing temperament, you know what that looks like. You'll know it when you see it. Mm-hmm. And so um, that's why stories can be really helpful to learn while you're learning all the factual things about a polycrest like, like rust talks or whatever, um, sepia, you know, you can go, oh, that has the essence of this and mm-hmm. so you can really think in a non-linear way while you're thinking in a linear way yeah that's really nice i think that is is uh another way of learning other um modalities too or other kinds of medicine i remember a colleague of ours made uh these cartoons of of botanical medicines and sort sort of get the idea the essence of the kind of person for whom that intervention might be helpful or um, the kind of indications that might help you pick that medicine. So, yeah, using that uh, right side of the brain um, 
very helpful. And we're in a really left-sided world, left-sided brain world. So, yeah, I think that's great um, to to bring up uh, about how to frame things. And that, that framing things comes um, in handy for other things too, like Chinese medicine, right? Like the, the, the application of Chinese medicine is is fairly precise if you have an understanding of the framework and the framework doesn't really work in a left brain way. Right. So, yes, I agree. They even talk about smell. Yeah. Smell coming off a body or, you know, they look at the tongue of course, which is a great thing and so on. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's uh, uh, super helpful. And then I've, some of the stuff that I didn't understand in Chinese medicine makes a lot more sense now as I get better at the hands-on sort of stuff that you and I are big proponents of. So I've, I've had people tell me, uh, you know, what the rotten taste they feel and, you know, indicating the stomach and, and uh, very interesting uh, correlations. So these frameworks are very helpful and you do have to be creative. So let's, uh, let's be creative with our talk about, um, Homeopathy. I had some questions for you. Are you okay if we just sort of start going at those questions? Yeah. Are you going to talk about your how you got into homeopathy or where has? Yeah. Been? Sure. Sure. I could do that. I I was uh, voted unofficially like the homeopathy nerd of of the class when I was at uh, CCNM. Um, sometimes I would just go and read Materia Medica because I was absolutely fascinated by it. Um, I thought it was very interesting that uh, although a lot of people had sort of divided opinions on it. Uh, it got sort of poo-pooed. That's why we're calling it the redheaded stepchild. Um, all the original homeopaths were medical doctors. And I thought, okay, that's interesting. Uh, why would they do that? Probably for a reason. There's probably some, some reason, although we don't know exactly what, but uh, we did talk about the toxicity of, of things uh, leading to wanting less toxic medicines. But what really got me interested is when um, – my mom had fibromyalgia and uh, I gave her a remedy. I, I just researched the remedy. We're, learn- we're learning all those things you're talking about, the remedy pictures and, and what, how to sort of um, analyze a case or a person and give them the most appropriate medicine that you have. Um, and I, I gave my mom one and her fibromyalgia went away. And uh, I thought, mm. well, you know, fixing your mom to some degree you know, helping your mom out to some degree, it's hard to beat that, you know, your mom and your grandma, uh, your wife or your kids, it's hard to forget those things. So I think that's what got my heart mostly in it. Um, but it was, it was difficult because there's so many different ways of looking at homeopathy that I didn't really, uh, think were, um, in and of themselves, perfect frameworks, right? Um, cause there's so many, you know, there's different kinds of, of ways of doing homeopathy, but that's what got me started, uh, believing because when you can fix your mom, uh, well, what's better than that? So I agree. Uh huh. And your mom's 102 and a half and a half in February, in August, she'll be 103. And she has been using <clears throat> naturopathic way of life and supplements for 30 or 40 years and uh, people are amazed when they meet her um, because she, her brain is a little slower, but it could stand to be a little <laughs> She'll say, I'm having a slow day. And um, right. she, um, you know, she takes her vitamins. She has a program. She does all those things. She has a 
vibration machine. She walks the, in COVID, she walks the hallways of the residence because the exercise classes are off. So she has to get her steps in. Yeah. 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 So nothing like taking care of your mom. So that w- that was the sort of thing that got my heart uh, in it. And also my mind in a way, because um, although there's lots of doubts, like you had so many doubts, I had the exact same thing. It's like I came from uh, Bachelor of Science at University of Waterloo. Um, and you know, I, I got my good grades in, in the sciences and it didn't seem to make sense that homeopathy could work. So, uh, but at the same time you have to honor, which is what we, we do, uh, in our profession. I'm, I'm happy to say that we honor elders and, and tradition to some degree. Um, so I thought there's no way all these guys, uh, well, probably all these guys in the books because they're probably all old boys club back in the day, but I thought there's no way they were all wrong completely. And then you fix your mom and then you go, okay, there's something to it. Maybe the framework's not perfect, but I, I thought I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be wasting my time if I try and figure out how to use this uh, kind of medicine a little bit better. So I, uh, you know, m- many, many years passed and I, I was in the first or second year of practice and uh, I had lots of time on my hands as you often do at the beginning of practice. Maybe you didn't, Verna, you're a bit of a, you're on another level. But anyway, I, I had a lot of time in the first couple of years. So I designed uh, a cold sore medicine uh, that I that I called just, you know, cold sore stop, which marketing guys told me was a bad idea. So I called it Sorlex. Um, and uh, this cold sore medicine works, I don't know, I say 90% of the time. Yeah, I don't have any hard data on that. But um, so then I was like, it was a good choice because cold sores are very easy to identify. And they can be self-treated yeah. uh, for the most part. And and so if this medicine kept working, then there's some reproducibility to this homeopathic. So uh, that completely changed the game for me too, knowing that we could reproducibly get a result that was probably equal to or better than uh, pharmacology. Um, and I th- that's when my head sort of really exploded because it was my little baby that I made. <clears throat> so how do you, how do you spell Sorolex? S O R L E X. Okay. Thanks to thanks to the brand factory in Toronto, they helped me name that. <laughs> well, it's just so people listening to this, you know how when you get a prescription and it's fifteen syllables of Latin, uh, then you try and figure out how to spell it. So I just thought we should say. <laughs> yeah. So that's I guess I guess that was um, me realizing that there's some real validity to homeopathic. Uh, medicine when used clinically because my personal view is i think we need like, you were allu- uh, alluding to this where if we learned how, how to use the polycrest um that's a great way to start i i just wonder if we learn how to do very clinical homeopathy that we will then silence the doubters uh with reproducible good results that are safe and you know babies respond to and and uh i don't know i i think that we need to uh, as as proponents of clinical homeopathy, we need to get a little bit maybe pers- more precise. If I'm going to be a little bit hard on us, as a because the old methods are um, they're outdated. Just like that's why you liked Gerard's uh, uh, approach, right? It didn't fit for the framework as much, and I, I completely agree with you. And I just went about it in a, a different sort of way. Yeah, and they're very economical for the for the person buying them. Oh yeah. You know, um, it would probably be safe to say that they're maybe 60% cheaper at the highest uh, compared to allopathic medicines. 
mm-hmm. or even some supplements. Yeah, and from an environmental perspective too, right? Because if you if you get the uh, healing sort of uh, essence of that plant, you don't need to harvest the plant to the ends of the earth. So even compared to botanical, I think it would be um, maybe more even more cost uh, effective mm-hmm. from a from a bigger perspective. Yeah, homeopathy is dynamic and botanical medicine. This is from Gerard. He said, it's like food for the cells. Ah. And homeopathy is like a directionality. Like, stop storing elephant feces in your cells. <laughs> you know, whatever yeah. it is. It is not part of you. It's like a piece of information um, to, to see the elephant in the room. I keep using that analogy. But anyway, um, but the, but when you think of herbal medicine as a nutrient... That's how I think about it now. So it helps me um, figure out for this person, how do I dose this? If it's like a nutrient, like there's a lot of nutrients that are great veggies, but you know, um, in what form and, and all those kinds of things. So what, what are the characteristics of this herb? And, um, and it, it does it actually suit that person? But, but but it is still more of a nutrient than a dynamic change changing uh energetically i think that's such a a great way of of looking at them and you could almost say it's got a little bit more yin and the the homeopathic is a bit of a a yang sort of uh thing and um as such it has a you know yin things have a sort of slower onset and and we talked about how fast homeopathy can work um last last episode so yeah, it's got that real yangy sort of uh, nature in a way. Okay, do do uh, do you want to get to some of the questions we Absolutely. had? Let's okay, mm-hmm. okay. So one of the questions I I had for Verna when I was trying to think of a, a good way to direct our our chat today, because last last week was awesome, a little more, you know, expansive. But this this week I want to ask you a few questions. So the first one was. Do you think that people should self-prescribe homeopathics for home use? Why or why not? The answer is yes. I think they should. I think that they there there is a way to learn about some. Would they learn a thousand homeopathic remedies? Probably not. Nor should they. If or or they should become a homeopath. Then <laughs> that's their goal. <laughs> but um um. I think they should. I have seen people react badly to homeopathy, especially in a higher doses. And, and I usually tell my clients, I have a little kit they can buy of, you know, the basic things, but um, I, I, I explain to them what the potency and dosing means and to not use higher dosing, um, you know, because they don't have the the background for it. And mm-hmm. even if you they did that, most of the time they would have no reaction. Like the remedy may or may not work. But I've seen people being given medium high doses and reacting. Mm-hmm. And I do have some people who don't have an affinity for homeopathy at all. It's just mm-hmm. not them. And what do you mean they don't react to it or they don't, they won't, uh, what do you mean they won't use it? What affinity? Um, they, what do you us- mean? they usually tell me, mm-hmm. I don't like taking homeopathy. I've had everything from 
belief, religious reasons mm-hmm. to um, I've had people come in and throw remedies back at me. This remedy didn't do anything. I said, <laughs> well, it made you angry. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's So they might not want their pot stirred, but they don't know that uh, intellectually. They have yeah. a feeling about it. And I respect the feeling. And I might go, years might go by, and I said, in this situation, do you think you might want to try something, Arnica? You know, like, mm-hmm. and they say, yeah. I said, I'll give you the the lowest strength of it. And sometimes I just tell them to carry it in their pocket because mm-hmm. it's in their energy field. But that's very uncommon, but I have seen it. And sometimes these people are... Uh, not harmonized within themselves to such an extreme. There's psychological and physical reasons. Yeah. And um, if anybody's uh, uh, trepidatious, as they say, if anybody is afraid of a remedy, I don't give them the remedy. Because if an emergency, like their leg was half cut off, they would be in an emergency ward. And whether they wanted to or not, they would probably be sedated. And that's what allopathic medicine is really good at. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, I've, I've utilized allopathic medicine. I've broken things, things have happened. So I'm very grateful for that, that that's mm-hmm. there. So, you know, I, I, um, <clears throat> so I think people should use them. And, uh, those are my kind of caveats on it, but I think they should use it. Is there a dose, uh, you know, a potency, we'll say a potency above which you sort of say, you know what, don't really go ab- above this. Uh, potency, whether it's a 30 or a 200 or a 12 or, and I know they all, all the remedies have, I mean, we won't get into the, you could really get into the weeds here. Oh, there's, I see. Verna is holding up a conversion chart for those of you who can't see, but, oh, um, is there, make- is there a, yeah, is there a top end that you sort of want to keep people mm-hmm. below? So there are K remedies. Um, that means if it's 30 K, everything is in there from one to 30 K. And, um, I wouldn't go above 200 and for the emergency kits that I give people, I don't go above 30 K. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a hard and fast rule, but more or less. So the equivalent in that, in the potency labeled CH. Now people are going to say K CH. Well, it's like money. Like we talk about dollars in Canada and the United States in England. They talk about their money in pounds. Uh, Japan yen that all means money but so this is um conversion charts of the way the early early homeopaths made them so in the ch a 5 ch is like a 30k but a 7 ch is like a 200k so you can see okay yeah and then in the d's which aren't used that much i don't think i don't use them Eight. They're used in more like or- organotherapy, isopathic stuff. I think. Right. Like, yeah. So 10D is the same as 5CH and 30K. And 14D is the same as 7CH and 200K. And uh, if we thought this would be useful, uh, we could um, take this conversion chart and put it on the website or something, David. Yeah, we could we could share it on the uh, on the Instagram so people can yeah. download it. But what what I would say is the 
you know, just to keep it as practical as possible for our listeners, I would say uh, I'm I'm kind of with you. I don't know I don't know the specifics between conversion, you know, between the yen and the dollars and all that, the Ks and the Cs. But I I generally don't want people taking more than a, a 30 or a 200 C, uh, which is you know that's what's widely available in my environment. Right. right. Um, and your so. 200 C is not the same as. Five ch the ch and the c aren't the same um, line of just to clarify for your listeners. Okay, yeah. So again, like I, I think the the most uh, available stuff is Boiron, or at least in Canada, Homeocan, Boiron. Uh, those are the stuff you you find generally. And yeah. So I, I would hesitate to take anything above a thirty or two hundred without uh, help from someone like Verna or or me or uh, homeopath. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, let's, let's go with the next, let's go with the next question then. Uh, the next question starts with the statement. I said, homeopathy works, but not all the time. Um, and I could go on, you know, it's, it's funny. I'll, I'll take a little segue here. It's funny. Homeopathy works, but not all the time. We could say that about anything almost though, right? Um, it's funny how a lot of practitioners have a lot of hesitation to use homeopathy because they say, okay, maybe it works, but not all the time. But like neither does vitamin C or vitamin D or would depend. Nothing is a foolproof, perfect sort of prescription. Um, and, and that is true for uh, allopathic painkillers for sure. Mm-hmm. Because some people say baby aspirin works best for me. And other people say type t- Tylenol t- 3, you know, which is uber, uber painkiller. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are many reasons for that. And what some we know and some we don't know. And mm-hmm. even in homeopathy, some we know and don't know. Mm-hmm. So I'm just saying it's not just homeopathy. Yeah, exactly. It's everything. So, you know, it, but, but people will give up on homeopathy very easily is sort of what I'm saying there. Yeah. Um, so homeopathy works, but not all the time. What are some ways or situations in which we can get confident using homeopathy. Now we talked about Arnica uh, extensively last episode and rightfully so, because it has that position in understanding how homeopathy works. Mm-hmm. But from the patient and practitioner perspective, what are some ways or situations which we can get some confidence with homeopathy? Yeah, I was thinking about this in the walk in my morning. I'm trying to re- 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 retrieve the answer I had. <laughs> I had. We'll edit this part out. Uh, <laughs> um, so I'm just going to pause for a sec while I think about this. Okay, what are you trying to do with the homeopathy as a practitioner, as a person? So as you say, some of the well, polycrest, the main 12 original remedies, are very well known and very very well used. And then we have very obscure little remedies that I come upon after 42 years that I've never used, but I'm using it on this person. So one has a lot of uh, information, like the 12 polycrests, and then one has little or none. And when you go and read the Materia Medica, which is one of the main books that tells you what remedies are for, who was written in the late, mid-late 1800s. And this will sound pejorative, but I don't mean it was written by men, usually European. 
and the way they talked about things, one of them being women, wasn't so good, you know. (laughs) They Uh talked about hysteria, which is where the word hysterectomy comes from. They talked about all these things. So sometimes when I read it, and especially in the last 15 years, I think, this is English. Sometimes I read it out loud to see if what I hear, it'll help. But but it isn't doing it. So then I have to go to another more modern book mm-hmm. about, on the remedies. And um, so so it's if you're trying to repertorize, we call it, figure out what this set of symptoms in this character of a person temperament needs, that takes a lot of work and it um it can be very beneficial or or nothing will happen and you have to be okay with that as a practitioner um because at first it's very uh humbling yeah so it didn't work but there's lots of other things that you can be doing with the person to accompany them on their journey and some of it could be botanical medicine some of it could be physical stretches. Some of it could be walking in the forest. Some of it, there are many other things they can do. And just, are they drinking adequate water? Or are they, you know, what is their worst, worst intake of a something food? Or smoking, you know, just can you give them something about that? But herbal medicine can be very helpful when it when things aren't working because then the body gets what it needs to fire the engine of certain particular cell long or or whatever or you know toenails or like whatever it is you know um so it's it is difficult to kind of reach that point and and i also think some people have a resistance or not a an affinity for homeopathy. I spoke about that just mm-hmm. a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. But you know what you're going, it's funny you brought up in your answer, another uh, sort of the basics of a question I was going to ask is, uh, you know, I often use homeopathy as a parallel path with something else. So uh, not, not always just on its own. Oh, we'll take this homeopathic. That's it. it it'll be like, okay, we'll do some body work. We'll say, you know, like you said, the basics never really go away. Make sure you drink enough water, blah, blah, blah. We've, we've gone over those and, and they're so important. They actually deserve to be talked about as much as we do. But then you'll say, also take this homeopathic. And, and I, th- I think there's often a, a couple of things that we're giving at the same time with the homeopathics. And you just brought this up. I didn't ask you as a question, but it's interesting that you brought it up because that's often what I'll do too, Vernon, is, is, you know, some herb or, or whatever, some, some, other kind of therapeutic intervention at the same time as the homeopathic. Yeah. And I do respect that some of our colleagues, uh, licensed naturopaths or, and homeopaths who just do homeopathy, um, have a way in which they deliver the remedy. And it could be once every month or a year. Mm-hmm. And I have to I respect that that's what they have found works and they, the pe- I always think the patients who can teach you or you can help both come to you. I think we attract on an energetic level what's going on. And I think that that uh, constitutional homeopaths do that too. But I, I will 
openly admit that that's not the way my head works. I'm, mm-hmm. I work with a lot of complex things, but I have been known to say, to say to people, there's only one thing I want you to begin to do. I don't want to change a bunch of stuff in your life. And I want you to get enough sleep often. That's mm-hmm. even more half an hour more a day. Yeah. I've, I've prescribed it. I, it's, it's, it's so, it's so simple. It seems right. And it's easy in a way if they, if they're a person who doesn't have a, have a problem sleeping, like going to sleep or waking, yeah. what a, what an easy prescription, right? Just yeah. go to bed earlier. There you go. Your body's going to be happier. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and I think another point that you've brought up in your answer, again, this is good, uh, is that we do homeopathic medicine different sometimes, and that's okay. Uh, like I'm listening to you, um, you know, you do it very differently than, than what I do. And, uh, it's best not to, uh, uh, think that there's only one way to do these things. Um, at the same time, the paradox of that, I think we can always do better. Like I'm always trying to find a better way, more reliable way, more, uh, yeah, more li- reliable is probably a way of. Uh, I think that's uh, a good thing. I, I feel that way too. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but very different, right? We're doing it very differently. I, yeah. I, if I'm doing a like a a more of a chronic uh, single remedy, giving it to someone for a long-standing thing, um, that I think the remedy really touches on as clearly as we can tell. I do this. Uh, take it days one, two, seven, fourteen, twenty-one, twenty-eight, and then we'll get together again and see um, how. Again, I just made I, one patient one day. You know how it is. You get one patient one day, and you get some sort of inspiration. It may not be perfect, but it's it's you know it's good. And then you just go, you know what? That kind of makes sense, and you keep doing it and sort of figure that yeah, out until I you know think, better. Yeah, I think that I do. Yeah, it's like um, painting. They'll say, oh, so-and-so is a, a painter. That's what his vocation is. And you say, what kind of painter is he doing? Modern art uh-huh. or cubism or, you know, throwing paint at a white thing mm. or like painting. Another thing that's like that is the word psychology. And they think, well, that has to do with my psyche. But what kind of therapy is it? Is it hitting a, a, a punching bag with a bat? Not a bad thing, actually. Or is it uh, classical Jungian therapy or mm-hmm. Freud or is it EMDR? Now we have that mm-hmm. for PTSD, which I call ODSD because if you have PTSD, it's not gone away. <laughs> it's not passed. And, uh, you know, so we have all of these things and, um, and that is the true life. It's like your garden. You don't just grow carrots. You have all of these things and life is like that. And it is true. When the most important thing, when somebody's leg is half cut off and it's hemorrhaging, stop the bleeding. So in urgent situations, you do need a protocol. Yeah. And, and you know, what is our protocol in homeopathy? And of all it is, is cleanse a little, build a little, cleanse a little, build a little. But there are times when you'll introduce other things and that's a topic for another day. But yeah, but you know, it's, uh, you don't, if you don't exercise, you don't go out and run 10 miles. Well, you wouldn't get through it, but you know, that's not good yeah it's it's sometimes it touches on things too like it's we talked i think we briefly touched on it but it's got its applications that are different than some of our other interventions and and i'll say uh ignatia i think you talked about uh i think it was your father or who i don't yeah yeah. and i've given it to people reproducibly uh for uh grief 
disappointment, like the stuff you learn about in the very early stages of learning about that remedy, Ignatia. And the reason I give it, Berna, is because I don't know of anything else that even comes close. You can take all your, you know, for all your, you know, people who hate on homeopathy, you take as much vitamin C as you want. You're not going to do the things sometimes that, that homeopathics can do. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And just a little deep, th- deep medicine, right? Yeah. Well, I find that many women going through menopause sometimes hit the, the abyss black hole mm-hmm. and Ignatia really helps that. Mm-hmm. Is there sliding down the slippery slope into this abyss that you can't see the bottom of it's a black hole because the brain changes so much at that time and so Mm -hmm. uh, we don't encourage just a little bit we can cut this part out (laughs) (laughs) no no keep it coming (laughs) so for women they hit menopause our culture doesn't go say yay great you hit menopause good for you blah 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 it's like well she's useless now i mean it's not so bad right now but it was and um and the brain changes and they think they're becoming dementia. And I said, no, you're becoming more intuitive. That's what that is. And so it's hard to speak in intuitive speak if you've never done that, you know, yeah. you have, you have a way, a different way of feeling and your, your emotional and spiritual body, they really do change. It's like a second puberty, you know, how boys and girls, but girls, when they hit puberty, um, really change and can become just a little moody. And, you know, they're trying to ride those hormones and it's pretty powerful. Same with, same with boys, you know, but, and in different ways, very yang. And uh, mm-hmm. they think they're invincible and they jump off cliffs and do stupid stuff, risky <laughs> behavior. And so, so I think we could talk about that more in our culture and to assure people, I'm talking about these menopause women, to assure them, they're not going to feel totally crazy as they do right now. And they're mm-hmm. just getting more and more feeling dark inside because they can't recognize themselves. Mm-hmm. And it, Ignatia helps that. Yeah. It's, it's actually one of the, it's one of the medicines I think we need to study way more in depth because of the reproducible uh, results you'll get for a, for a kind of situation that's very difficult to, to treat. Like what is the exact neural connections that lead to, this kind of grief and disappointment. I mean, it's, it's, um, that's a, that's a very appropriate, uh, research avenue. I, I think if we can, if we can sort of start applying that traditional use and how funny you talk about menopause and, and this with the, with the blue whale, you've, Verna's got a picture of a beautiful painting of a blue whale, uh, behind her. And I think that's one of the, that's another one of the animals in the animal kingdom that lives uh, well beyond or, or beyond their, their, uh, fertility contribution to the species. So how appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had another very sort of direct question, um, which I have my own feelings on, but I wanted to hear what you thought about this question. Do homeopathic medicines interact with prescription drugs and follow up to that? Can you use them together? Uh, yes. I'm trying to think of an exception to that. When someone's in a crisis on any level, say it's surgery, um, in my opinion, I for sure would be using a trauma combination 
a non-high potency to help get them through that. And I have them put drops or pellets in water so they take their own water plastic bottle in and just sip on it so they don't have to take them out and somebody will see them. And I'm not trying to hide anything. They just don't need a hassle at that point. And then they can just sip it. And if their water bottle gets thrown out, you got lots more pellets or whatever. Just So I have people prepare these. uh, They're plastic, but prepare these plastic water bottles and take some with them. And if if they lose one, then they've got another one. It's cheap and cheerful. It's a very Mm -hmm. good thing to do. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I have never experienced that uh, anyone had a serious reaction. And, I, and there certainly could be exceptions to that. I can't think of one right now. Um, do I have people take um, homeopathics with prescription drugs? So, for example, in herbal medicine, we have that. You know, you don't use St. John's Worth work with an MAO inhibitor because they're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. So if something's going to do the same thing biochemically as a drug and the drug is there for a reason, then I, I don't do that. But, but what homeopathy doing is, is not initially biochemical. It can help the body regulate, but it's not enforcing that on the system. So then I have, uh, I have people uh, use that. And I, I encourage people to have little remedies right in their purse or their car or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. um, because, you know, in an emergency, say a car accident you come upon, there's the Good Samaritan knot. If I have knowledge of how to help that person, um, I can use it without um, being charged with whatever. Mm-hmm. So I always have... Arnica, and I also have cayenne pepper because that will close off something that's hemorrhaging more often than not. You can try and put a tourniquet on. People say, won't that hurt terribly if, if you if you put that on your femoral artery? I said, yeah, but you're alive. Mm-hmm. Like, what are we aiming for here? <laughs> yeah. So, so, but cayenne, of course, uh, I'm, not t- I'm talking powdered cayenne. So when you put your hands in it to throw on a wound, don't put it in your eye done that (laughs) cayenne in your eyeball doesn't go well Uh, so um and i i wouldn't when someone's uh, going through something we'll call severe on any level and they're hardly coping your child is killed like something horrible Mm -hmm. uh i i don't give them as a very strange abstruse high potency remedy i can change this for them i they have to go through it you have to company you can't change their life so so yes i i do use them but i make sure it's not super complicated uh if they're in a certain situation and there may be exceptions to the exceptions to that i'm trying to think of uh any i wouldn't say i i'm i struggle like you to think of any uh time when someone's on a drug where i wouldn't use a homeopathic um I, I struggle yeah. to find a, a problem there. Yeah. It's like uh, they work on different levels of our yes. beingness. That's what I was hoping you'd get to. Yeah. 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 So um, let me see if I can think of an analogy. Um, it could be something like um, an orchestra. So you've got the string section 
and it does what strings do. And then you have the horn section. Then you'll probably have some keyboardy thing and some drum thing, like mm-hmm. some of that. So they all do different things in the orchestra to make up the symphony of it. And if you took one away, it would it would be missed in the classical sense, although there are lots of jam bands that are really interesting. They just, you know, they live somewhere in an outport in Newfoundland and they have these <laughs> five instruments that have nothing to do with each other and they make beautiful music. So that's a, maybe not a perfect analogy, but. No, I, I like think, the orchestra because, yeah. because it seems like the homeopath, uh, the homeopathic has some effect on the, the conductor. Yes. 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 Yeah. That's a good one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like the intelligence that runs the body. There is one, whether you want to believe it or not. I, well, there is one because lots of stuff's happening all the time without you having to do anything. And I, I think that's the level on which these remedies somehow, and I'll be the first to admit, I don't know how, um, but to say we, you know, not knowing how it works doesn't mean it doesn't work. And I think that's a big uh, fallacy of, of, the problems with homeopathy or perceived problems. Yeah, um, yeah. I take it back to something like sunlight. By the time it gets to the earth, it's an energy. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like the sun's here burning us. And mm-hmm. we know if we're living in gray days, you know, you know, February, and we've had 17 gray days so far. Yeah. We're pretty cranky. Yeah. So what is it that the sunlight is doing to us? It's not burning us. It's not, you know. Well, our body knows how to make diet vitamin D. Yeah, isn't that interesting when we shine? So what's going on there? Am I saying that's a homeopathic remedy? Not exactly, but it's an energetic yeah, remedy. Yeah, exactly. Yes, yes. And and to equate it to vitamin D is just so silly. I mean, yes, you need uh, sunlight for that to happen downstream, but it's far upstream from so many things. Um, yeah, I, I completely, we could go on about uh, that, but we'll... We'll move on to the the next question if you think we've um, yep. addressed that. I think it's a good transition too because we're saying some of the the weaknesses. So one of my questions for you, Vernon, was what do you think some of the biggest weaknesses are? This is my uh, I'm always devil's advocate, so I, I like to go here sometimes to be you know as uh, get the whole whole picture here. What do you think are some of the biggest weaknesses of homeopathics or homeopathy? Are there situations or patients in which you will not use it? Can you think of one where that was the case? Where the patients won't use it? Uh, where you, where you wouldn't want to use it in that, uh, clinically. You just, you're just like, you know, I'm not going to use homeopathic here. This, this is, this is a weakness. If I I don't know a patient really well, which doesn't mean a long period of time, but some people are really layered and they have a good outer face. You know, they talk well, they're very composed, da 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 da. But you know, there's something in there. That with time, I will find out. Mm-hmm. I don't interrogate my patients, but they come to trust me and they reveal things because I know it's safe. It's safe. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it happens. If it happens in my treatment room, it stays in my treatment room. Mm-hmm. So, so, so I, um, I have cases where someone came in for a problem in a part i'm not going to be specific here but they had a problem a biomechanical problem in a part of their body uh and not in the expected part that you will think uh but what had happened was a form of abuse that happened 
and they didn't know it yet. But as soon as I touched them, I knew it. How did I know that? Well, 70% of all adults have been sex- sexual, sexually abused. And I never believed that until I was a clinician because I thought, mm. oh, you know. Mm-hmm. Anyways, over time, a few years, um, they came to realize this. And then they started doing therapy on it. And it, and it has been a wonderful recovery from what had happened in their very, very, very early life. But as soon as I met her, the worst thing you can do to someone that you're pretty sure has been abused is to start talking to them about it when they don't even know it. That's re-abusing them. Because there's, there, if it, if it was, if it, if they could reveal it onto themselves, they would. They just weren't mature enough or whatever. So when I first meet someone like that, I might not use homeopathy until I really get to know them. And then whatever I do, if they had the trauma as a child, pre-verbally, I say, well, would I give this to a six-month-old baby? And if not, I'm not going to give it to that 30, 40, 50-year-old person because where they're stuck or whatever, they're in that infancy. So you have to, I have a lot of respect for people's journey. We all have our own. And I feel that don't get so into yourself as a clinician that you think it's your job to fix them all the time. Mm -hmm. You know what else you're touching on again uh, is this idea of giving the person uh, not too much. Uh, sometimes there's too much or, um, and you talked, cause I think we had, I don't know if we had talked about this on air or off the air, but that uh, idea of sometimes you stimulate the person too much or you, you've, you've forced them too much or how the, when we talk about touch, how it seems like the body wants to be touched. Sometimes you get a feeling it's sort of pulling you in or, or, or pushing you away. And you, you do this. And again, it's one of these, you almost have to be told Verna that you do this, but you have this, I, you have this appreciation of maybe what the person can handle at this point in time with this amount of resilience uh, in their mental, emotional, physical, or whatever space. And I, I think that's mm-hmm. part of the art of practice that you don't, um, you only get, I guess you just get better at, at it with time. Yes. It's called practice for a reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, although I don't have that with computer stuff, I see. <laughs> but, but with people's body, just the touch, when you touch that tissue, what do you discern? And if you would have told me even 30 years ago that I would know what I know now, I just go, Ugh, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Every day in practice, I learn something new. Every yeah. Day. yeah. Or, or it's reaffirmed or yeah. how do a touch Seemingly the same kind of tissue, same stats of the person, certain age, blah, 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 but you learn how to touch each person. It's a dance partner. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's important to touch because then they can follow your hands and are present at the, what I call scene of the crime, <laughs> where there's this disassociation or stagnation or just very painful. I've, I've touched people that all I could do was just hardly touch them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that person taught me a lot. I've had clients, a young lad who was um, born with many difficulties. 
and I learned how to touch him so he could follow my hands Mm -hmm. Um, because he was deaf and blind and that's, you know, on and on. Yeah. Um, I just, just to sort of bookend that, or, or I'll say my, what I think is the biggest weakness of homeopathy and you can uh, leave it at that or, or respond if you want. But what, what I see is as the biggest weaknesses of homeopathy is not homeopathy itself working or not. It's, it's the way in which we apply it as imperfect humans are trying, who are trying to figure out how things work that we don't always understand. So the framework or, um, you know, the, the reproducibility of results is what I think is the weakness of homeopathy and pales in comparison to some other, uh, interventions or therapies like, like say, uh, you were talking about if someone has a biophysical or, um, a physical ailment, a certain part of uh, the bone or the tissue. I mean, it it makes more sense for me for you to examine and treat with therapies that sort of match that. Um, I'm not going to look for a perfect homeopathic for someone when I know uh, that maybe something is localized to that spot and we can do something hands on. Um, so it's it's the reproducibility and the frameworks that are imperfect that I think are the pro- problem with homeopathy, not homeopathy itself. Yeah. How and when to apply it, mm-hmm. you know, and if the main thing, because as a chiropractor, I've done a lot of adjusting. And if the main thing is an adjustment, if I really think there's like one thing, say it's all tendons and ligaments and I, and I think of Rudigrav right away, you know, and I think there's one thing you can take that just might help this move along. People say, bring it on. Like yeah. they know that we don't know for sure. Yeah, if it but it's a helps. supportive, a yeah. supportive sort of lateral or or uh, thing that you're doing to support another uh, treatment, and that's it's kind of like when you go to eat a meal, like you know, eat a whole whole meal, you need a knife and a fork and a spoon. Like they all have their, a knife isn't necessarily better than a spoon. It is for some things, but usually you need a bit of all of them. So mm-hmm. maybe that's too simplified, but you know what oh, I mean. Oh, that's great. That's great. Um, well, cause people are way more complicated than the average meal, but anyway, um, I, I thought we'd, we then maybe with, with, uh, what are the most or your most memorable cases of using homeopathy for yourself or your patients, uh, to really make an impact on anyone listening? Uh, cause you've seen, you've done, you've been doing this for 40, well, maybe not homeopathy for as long, but you've seen everything and you've done, mm-hmm. I bet you've had a couple of cases that you, yeah. you just, you can't forget. Well, the thing that I said earlier about women and menopause, that's been really helpful. Um, myself, I've fortunately or unfortunately had various broken bones. I have a plate in my left arm and thank goodness I can use my hand. And when I was recovering from that, I used a lot of symphytum, which is, you know, classical mm-hmm. bone thing. And I used my light therapy, used a lot of things and I have an 80 inch one eight inch plate, one two inch plate and about eight screws in my left arm that will be there forever. Thank goodness. And, mm-hmm. um, but homeopathy just helped the severity and the healing in a way takes as long. It takes 42 days at least to heal a bone or seven weeks. I say that to people and they go, that's the same thing. I said, yeah, I know. Glad, you, <laughs> glad you're listening. Uh, um, so certainly with, um, 
bro- I do a lot of bone stuff, so broken bones and all those kinds of things. And, um, uh, children, chamomile, just, you know, when a baby's teething and is cuckoo crazy and the whole family's cuckoo crazy, just that little pellet. Whoa. It's great. Yeah. What's that remedy? Chamomile? Chamomile. Mm-hmm. Chamomile mm-hmm. for teething. Mm-hmm. Is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah. I just wanted people to to hear it because it's a it's an it's a it's a good mumbling. nugget. Yeah. It's a good nugget for people to yeah, know about. Yeah, because yeah, like you're yeah. treat you you're treating like you said you just glazed over this, but you're you're not just treating that baby. You're treating the mom, which means you're treating the, her partner, and it means you're treating the whole family when when that baby is is a little bit happier because you gave him some chamomilla. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful remedy, and uh, it's one of those remedies that you know and in homeopathy, it seems like some of the plants in botanical have a lot of overlap with, with how they work homeopathically. And, and that seems to be one of them because it is a, a nice sort of sedative uh, as well. Yeah. And um, uh, caucus and coculus for drainage in the head, like earaches, screaming kids again. And, coculus? Yeah, and the yeah. sinuses. And conium for breast congestion. As opposed to just making milk per se, but I have a, I do mm-hmm. a lot of, and have over the years done a lot of work with breast health, mm-hmm. and uh, and I talk about that a lot to people, to women, because uh, you know at least I say, why do you get your teeth cleaned? Well, I don't want cavities. I say, what do you do to keep your breasts healthy? And they go, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Because we don't teach that. We don't teach that in our culture, mm-hmm. or many cultures, is it taught? I'll probably think of a stupendously perfect answer to the question, but uh, those are, those are just very practical, but they're quite profound. Yeah, no, and there were I I like a lot of like I use the same uh, some of the same remedies that you're talking about for with quite reliable um, reproducible results. It's it's quite nice, and it's also I'm like I'm using homeopathics. I'm when I, often when I don't know if there's anything else that works as well. That's another way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, we've sort of alluded to that. Okay, so Verna, I think we did really well with our time management today. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yes, hooray <laughs> for us! But I'm gonna I'm gonna drag it on uh, just a little bit because I want I still want to do the thing where I let you have uh, one last sort of uh, crack at saying anything that you want mm-hmm. um, people to sort of take home from our discussion yeah. today. Yeah, be curious. Be yeah. curious. Um, if you're not a naturopath listening to this, when someone tells you, especially say you're over 50 or 60 and they say, well, you're old, what do you want? Of course your knee hurts, but just one knee hurts. I mean, let's think about it. You only have one bad knee. <laughs> so why is that? And who can help you? A naturopathic doctor can help you with that. And especially if they do touching therapy and biomechanical, we call it therapy. Um, like who can help you? And, uh, if you don't know, you could go to a local health food store in most cases and say, do you know a practitioner of any kind that can help me with this? Because if you're in a remote area, um, there might be a massage therapist around or a physio around who's more holistic or, you know, a chiropractor or a naturopath. Like in Newfoundland, when I first started doing special clinics there, there were no naturopaths there. And now there are maybe 10. Mm-hmm. You know? And so... Um, uh, but you I started all, with being curious, so, start, which I think so, is... Yeah, so start with being curious. So if you have a case that you 
can't stand because you can't figure out what to do with it and you're just feeling extra stupid, find the question. The first question is, what the heck's going on here? Mm-hmm. And, you know, what are the things that don't have anything in common? So it's they got a corneal eyebrow thing, eyeball thing, and they've got um, uh, rectal skin that's bugging them and uh, tendons. What do all those things have in common? Collagen. Mm-hmm. Collagen. You know, all the connective tissue, all the fascia. If it's, it's when they say point here and they say, this always feels like I got my socks on backwards or, you know, whatever. Think fascia. Don't understand, underestimate. The, the, there are some people believe, I kind of do too, that fascia is the big ones. Like mushrooms talk to each other all over the world. I think our fascia talks to itself all over. Mm-hmm. So what is the question? And then if you don't know, and this is something I think would be great in our profession, probably while I have the Legacy Project started, is phone somebody. Get in touch with an, uh, somebody that might know. And uh, it doesn't have to be someone older than you. It can just think, oh, actually, they're an expert in TCM, and I'm not, but I need to think about this case differently. I do that a lot. I think about cases, I think, in TCM, because I need to find another way to think about it. So be mm-hmm. curious. Find a way to think about it. Find the question. Find the question. See if you can narrow down what this person's emotional oogie feeling is all about. And what is the basis of it? And is it very, are they speaking as if it happened when they were, didn't have a lot of vocabulary? So it happened pre-verbal, maybe. Or I just don't want to think about it. So. Yeah, I, I, I love that. Be curious. I think the being curious from the naturopathic perspective. So the doctor or any kind of, I mean, any kind of therapist, if you're, yeah. You should always be curious. You're still curious and you've been doing this forever. But I, I like how you have to almost be curious uh, as a patient. And I think generally um, those are the people we like to see as naturopaths because sometimes the, the con- as like, you've got plates in your arm and all that, like, okay, there's a, there's a place for it. But um, conventional medicine is not really uh, great at sort of rolling their sleeves up and going, hmm, what is going on here um, a lot of the time? And uh, I think I think from the patient perspective, you have to be curious too. So I like that. Be curious. Okay, Verna, thank you again. We were we were pretty great. We're under an hour here, so thank you so much uh, for spending this time with me again. And and thanks to listeners for hanging uh, with us as we talked about homeopathy, the redheaded stepchild of naturopathic medicine. My pleasure. You are welcome, and thank you for inviting me here. Hey everyone, Dr. Dave here. As you probably know, this podcast is all about getting the word out there that naturopathic medicine has got some serious game. Educating and inspiring our listeners to work towards and achieve better health is what it's all about. But just like it takes energy and effort to invest in and strive towards greater health, it takes energy, effort, and financial support to do all the podcast things necessary to keep this message coming at you. So please afford me a moment to share our gratitude and give a real heartfelt thank you to our show sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada. Their patient focus vision of improving health outcomes with the use of high quality naturopathic doctor designed supplements is 100% in alignment with what we're trying to do here at the podcast. Their enthusiasm for supporting what we're trying to do for you, the listener, encourages us to keep producing content that will inform and inspire. Thanks again to our sponsor, Cytomatrix Canada.